invite you to remain standing for the reading of Scripture. We'll hear from Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Will you read with me? Now, as they went on their way, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Good morning. It's good to be with you. My name is Brandon Blackson. I'm one of the associate pastors here, and I'm excited to share this message with you and really grateful for the opportunity. It's an exciting morning for us. We're in week two of our Vacation Bible School sermon series, and every year this time of year, we take the Vacation Bible School stories, and we hear about what our children are going to be learning whenever they come. And we do that because we believe it's important for us as adults and as youth to know what they're going to hear about so that we can walk with them, because every time a child joins here, we promise that we're going to pray for them, that we're going to encourage them, that we're going to teach them to walk in the way that leads to life and become true disciples of Jesus Christ. And so one way that we keep that promise is by walking with them. And so all of us together are sharing and learning these scriptures. And, and the other part that maybe you all didn't know is these aren't just kids' stories. They actually apply to us adults and, and uh and youth as well. So um, I'm excited to share about this with you and hear about that. And uh, as we're going forward, we also are going to learn one of the memory verses that uh, they'll be learning. And so uh, each, for the whole week, they're going to be learning this verse. And it's from Isaiah chapter 43, verse 2. And it's, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. So we say that with me. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. All right, that's, that's really good. And, um, and so we're going to try it one more time, but without it on the screen. So let's try it again. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. So some of you, I'm always impressed by, by the way that you do it whenever I take the screen away. Some of you may have figured out that there's an insert in your bulletin that has it printed on there. <laughs> if so, then congratulations on finding that. If, if you haven't found it yet, you can pull that out and uh, use that this week in order to, to practice. And then um, there are also some sermon notes on there. And you can take notes during the sermon. And my prayers, I've been preparing this, is that God would speak to each person here at some point during the message. And so I want to invite you to write that down whenever you hear that. And so we're, um, we're going through this sermon series. Last week, we talked about Jesus calling his first disciples. And um, he was walking on the shore of the Sea of Galilee and called four fishermen, um, Andrew and his brother Simon, who was later called Peter, and then James and John. And he called them, and Jesus said, follow me to these four fishermen. And they left everything and followed him. As far as we know, they'd never heard of Jesus, never met him before, and yet they left everything to follow him. And we talked about how Jesus calls each of us to follow him, and that may not mean leaving everything to us, but it does mean offering everything to him, making him our entire life. And so our our takeaway last week is that following Jesus is not a lifestyle choice, but a way of life. And so we encourage everyone to to make that a way of life, not just something that we do on the side that we pick up on Sundays and and then set aside for the next six days, but, but that defines every moment that we're alive. 
And the one, the, one of the action items that, um, that we shared was in order to do that was to immerse ourselves, to spend time with Jesus so that we could learn his way of life. And so we invited each person to read from the Gospels each day um, last week. And, uh, and so if you did that, maybe don't like check off the box and then stop because reading from the Gospels is still a good thing. And I want to encourage you to continue to do that and hope that that was a blessing to you. But, but I'm guessing there are a few of you here that had really good intentions last week and, and then you got to this morning and you're like, oh yeah, I was going to do that, right? I, I know how that goes because I, I've been there. I, I live there a lot of the time. But we have all of these things that we want to do and we think, I, need, I really need to do that. And then you just get busy and, and you forget about it. Because I, I know from getting to know many of you over the last few weeks that we've got some really busy people here. And uh, wherever you are in your life, whether you're in school, whether you're working, whether you're retired, I, I don't know anyone who's just like, man, I sit around a lot and don't know where my time goes. I, I talk to retired people and, and they're like, you know, I thought that I was going to have all of this time, and, and I'm still waiting for that to happen years later, and, and we know what that rush is like, and, and there are just so many commitments that we have, so many challenges that we face, and really so many opportunities, and, and many times the things that, that are occupying our time are good things, and yet there are just so many of them that, that it feels like we're totally overwhelmed, and if you're a parent, you know that, that um, you've got so many things going on with your kids, and, and you constantly feel that pressure like you need to be doing more, and, and I know how that goes because I've got a three-year-old, and, and I've got a confessed this morning. She cannot even read yet. She's not fluent in a foreign language. She has not shown an Olympic-level aptitude in a single sport. You need to pray for my daughter. So it's not that bad, but you know that pressure, right? Like, you need to be doing as much as possible, and then a lot more than that as well, because we have to, they have to be perfect at everything, and we have to give them every possible opportunity. It's a challenge. All of us face this, this struggle of, of being so busy that it feels like we can barely keep our heads above water, and yet the problem is that our busyness distracts us from what matters most. It distracts us from the things that matter most. We, we sometimes are so busy and, and just trying to get by, just trying to get to the end of the day that, that by the time we get through, we, we realize, I don't even know what I did. I, I didn't have a moment of rest or, you know, I accomplished all of these things on my checklist and I don't even know if a single one of them actually matters. Like, does any of this actually make a difference? And, and that's the challenge is that we get so, so caught up in everything that's going on and all the urgent things that are screaming our name that, that the things that matter most don't happen. I saw this uh, with my family. Um, we, a few years ago, celebrated my grandparents' 50th anniversary, which was exciting. If you want a preview of what I'm going to look like in 50 years, look at the guy on the right. That's, he, he's the one I take after. But, but we went up to Kansas City. That's where um, they lived and were celebrating. And all my cousins came in, and, and it, was, uh, it was great to see everyone. We, we almost never get everyone together. Just we live in different parts of the country. And so we were all together and um, sitting in my grandparents' living room. And, and so this will give you an idea of about when this was. But this was around the time that the, the mobile app um, Words with Friends was popular. Does anyone remember that? So it's basically Scrabble, but without the licensing fees. And, and so we, my, my cousins were into that, and they kind of shared it with us. And so we were all downloading the app and then starting games. And, you know, you'd start a game with this person and, and this person and this person, and then you'd move on your game with this one, and, and then you'd move on. And then by the time you finished, it would be time to, to go for the other person. And, and anyway, we passed a lot of time that way. But, but at one point, so one of us looked up and looked around, and all of us were together, and everyone was looking at their phones except my grandparents we were just looking around, not talking to anyone. And, you know, we were never together. And we had that wonderful opportunity just to talk and enjoy each other's presence. And, and we were transported somewhere else by the Internet. And we were totally missing out on that wonderful opportunity. 
And you know how these things go, but, but I'm pretty sure the next time we were actually all together was for my grandpa's funeral. Those opportunities that we have, they only come so often, and, and too often we realize that we miss them whenever it's too late. That's not how I want to go through life. I don't think it's how you want to go through life. And, and so the question we're asking today is how can we make time for what matters most? How can we make sure that we don't miss out on those things that really matter? How can, how can we actually attend to those and live life in spite of all the busyness and have the things that matter most? So we're looking at what the scripture says, and our scripture that we read this morning was um, Jesus coming to the home of Mary and Martha. He was traveling throughout Judea and Samaria and and came to their house, and whenever he came, Martha owned the home and and lived with her sister Mary, and so she welcomed them in, and uh, she was a good host, and so she got right to work, and uh, her sister Mary um, maybe missed that lesson whenever they were growing up or something because she went right in and just sat down with Jesus and the disciples and was just listening. And so uh, Martha had all of these people coming in, and, and I don't know exactly how many it was, but you know, you've got Jesus, you've got 12 disciples, maybe more. The word disciples sometimes means the 12, and sometimes it means a bigger group of followers of Jesus. And then you have Mary and Martha. So she was cooking for probably 15 people at least. And uh, you know, one of the challenges we face in our busyness is that you know, we're supposed to have healthy meals, and they're supposed to be good, and we usually have about 30 minutes to cook them. So you've been to that struggle, right? You know how that goes. Usually it ends up in a drive-through line. But Mary had this, or Martha had this problem. She had all these people to feed and, and had no help and, and not even an Instapot to help her out. And, and so she was cooking. She was working as hard as she could in the kitchen. And you, you know that feeling that, uh, that you get. I, I just imagine Martha looking in through the doorway and seeing Jesus sitting there talking and her sister sitting there and just taking in every word and thinking, that must be nice. You know that feeling. Like, that must be nice. I wish that I could actually just sit down and enjoy Jesus' presence, but someone has to be an adult and make sure he gets to eat. Like, that's what it takes to be a good host. And uh, not even to mention, if I had a little help, maybe both of us could go in there and sit and listen to him, but I don't, so it's going to take twice as long. And you, you know how that is. Like, you've been there, you have a roommate or, or a spouse or, or kids, and, and you're doing dishes or you're doing laundry, and someone else is sitting there watching TV, and, and you just think, that must be nice. I hope you're enjoying that because one of us has to be an adult. Sometimes we even vocalize that. You all wouldn't do that. We wouldn't be passive aggressive like that, but I know I've heard sometimes people are, but, but you know that feeling, right? Like we've got all these things that we have to attend to it and we're so busy and there's something that we can see that we're missing out on it and it's so frustrating. And so Martha finally, you know, got tired of it, got fed up and she went to Jesus and, and told him, Lord, don't you care that I'm working all by myself? Sidebar, that's um, called triangulation. It's not a good idea in relationships. If, if you're upset with someone, that's usually the person who you need to talk to. But, but anyway, so she, so she tries to triangulate Jesus in and says, Lord, I'm working all by myself. Do you not even care? Tell Martha to come in or tell Mary to come and help me. And so she expected Jesus to tell Mary what she was supposed to do. And he did. And it wasn't what she expected. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. There's need of only one thing. She, she had, was so focused on everything that had to happen that, that she missed the one thing that was necessary. She had the opportunity to sit at Jesus' feet, to rest in his presence and enjoy him. Uh, an opportunity that I don't know how many times he passed through their house, but I'm guessing it wasn't very much. And, and she had the opportunity to sit and to listen to him. And yet she was so focused by many things that she missed out on that amazing opportunity. And I just can't imagine that there wasn't a day that came by that she said, what was I doing? Like, 
Jesus could have settled for day-old bread and fish, and he would have been fine. He might have even multiplied it. And she missed that opportunity because she was so focused on it. And, and here's the thing is it's not like she was doing something she shouldn't have been doing, right? I mean, Martha was doing good, important work, but it distracted her from something more important. I think that's the situation that we find ourselves in a lot of times is there are so many good things that we can be doing. There are so many opportunities that we have. I mean, that's one of the things about being alive now is there are so many great things going on and, and just all the, the information, the entertainment, you name it, that's available to us. I mean, the internet just basically takes everything and multiplies it exponentially. There are more good things that we can be doing than, than we possibly have time to. And yet whenever we try to do them all or even some of them, a lot of times we miss out on the things that matter most. The problem that we run into is that good things become distractions whenever they displace what matters most. They're good, good things to do, and yet if they knock out something that's even more important, then they're a distraction. You've probably experienced this before, right? I mean, you, you go and visit someone and you're excited to see them and, and they're excited to see you and, and they really want to take good care of you. And, and so they're so busy making sure that you have a great time that you don't even get to talk, right? It's like you see each other in passing and, and you think, okay, that I appreciate it, but I came to see you, right? Or sometimes we get so focused on, on, on making sure that our children have everything and we want them to be able to do everything and we want to be able to provide for them. And sometimes what we miss is spending time with them because we're so focused on, on giving them opportunities. There are all kinds of examples of this where, where we just miss out on the things that are most important because there are so many good things that end up becoming distractions. And here's what I think we need to remember. We, we're a group of people, I think, that, that are really accomplished, that have a lot going on, that, that get things done. And I'm, I'm amazed at hearing some of your stories and things that you've accomplished. But, but what I hope we can remember is that accomplishing the most is not the same as accomplishing the most important. Accomplishing the most is not the same as accomplishing the most important. Because in the end, we, I mean, it really doesn't matter how long your resume is if it doesn't list any of the things that matter most to you. It doesn't matter how many items you ticked off your to-do list if you don't do the most important things. All these things we want to accomplish, we want to get done, and, and yet it's so easy to get caught up in, in all the stuff that we miss out on the things that matter most. We, we accomplish the world and leave out the things that are nearest and dearest to us. And so what does that look like for us as Christians? What does it look like to really know what's a priority, to know what matters most, and then to, to live those things out? Jesus gives us this teaching just a little bit earlier in, in the scripture. If we look in Luke chapter 10, starting with verse 25, Jesus um, encounters a, a young man and he says, what must I do to receive eternal life? And he says, well, you know, what do the scriptures say? Come on, Jesus, just give us an answer. Don't ask a question to a question. But anyway, that's not how he works. Easy answer is not really in, in the bag with Jesus. But, but he, he, he asked that and the young man says, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, yeah, I mean, that's it. You've answered correctly. And for us as Christians, that, that's the great commandment. Basically, whenever we talk about what matters most, it's what enables me to love God with my whole self and to love my neighbor as myself. And so we think about what are the things that allow me to love God. And, if, you know, if you're here this morning, you're, you're worshiping God. That's one way that we love God. We love God on our own whenever we're praying or whenever we're praying with others, whenever we're searching the scriptures and, and learning to be like Christ, to, to learn about the things that God teaches us through them. That, those are just some of the ways that we love God. And then whenever we think about loving our neighbors, we think about the people who are closest to us, the people whom God has trusted us 
to love. We think about our families, children, parents, siblings. We think about the, the people who are near us. So, um, the, you know, we just spent six weeks talking about loving our literal neighbors, the people who actually live around us. We talk about um, loving our coworkers and our fellow students and the people that we see every day. And then Jesus takes it the next step. That's the lesson of the Good Samaritan, which he also tells in that same, uh, whenever he gets another follow-up question. And, uh, and that reminds us that, that we also owe love to the people who are strangers to us and even the ones that we might consider enemies. And so when we think about what it means to, to attend to what matters most, I, I think just the question is, do we attend to the things that allow us to love God and to love our neighbors? Or do those other things that are really good get in the way of that? Do those distractions displace loving God and loving others? Whenever we think about that, what it really comes down to is the way that we spend our time. And uh, John Wesley learned this lesson. He's the founder of Methodism, the tradition that our church is a part of. And whenever he was at Oxford with his brother Charles, he um, met with other students, and, and they wanted to make sure that they were attending to the things that were most important. And so they devoted themselves to, to doing the things that Scripture commands, to, to living holy lives. And, um, and in fact, they were so methodical about it that people started making fun of them and calling them Methodists. And uh, Wesley was like, yeah, I mean, I guess that's an accurate description and he just ran with it and so the name stuck even though it was disparaging at first but you know that's that's how we roll with it but they were so focused on living those lives that, that he was really dedicating himself and reading all kinds of sources and one of the people that he read from was reverend charles taylor or excuse me jeremy taylor um, in 1650 he wrote the book the rule and exercises of holy living and uh, you can see uh, the picture there of, uh, of Reverend Taylor, but whenever in this book he talks about the first law of holy living, and that's care for our time. I don't know about you, but that kind of surprised me whenever I read that. I'd think like the first rule of holy living is, is pray a lot or, or go to church or something like that, but, but it makes sense. If we're going to make following Christ a priority, then we have to spend the time to do it. We have to use our time in a way that lends itself to that. We have to use our time to love God and use our time to love others. And if we don't do that, then, then we miss out. We, don't, we aren't able to do that because our time is spent doing other things. And, you know, one of the things that we know that I think you know is that our calendars reflect how well we love God and love others. Our calendars are a reflection of what matters most to us, not just the stuff that we write down, but the way that we fill our days. The, the way we spend our time tells what matters most to us. And, uh, you know, I can tell my wife how much she means to me until I'm blue in the face, but if I don't spend time with her, then, you know, I'm just blowing hot air. It doesn't make a difference. Our, our calendars reflect that. The other thing that, that reflects our values is, is our pocketbooks. What does our, our bank account say? Those two things really tell us what we place the most value on in our lived experience. So as, as we're thinking about this, I, I hope that you'll think about the way that you spend your time and, and think about what, what really does matter most. And then use your time in a way that helps you to attend to those things, that helps you to love God and to love your neighbor. Jesus gives us a wonderful example of this in his life. If we look at Mark chapter 1, at the very beginning of his ministry, he, he goes to Peter's house in Capernaum and is staying there. And people hear about this traveling rabbi and healer who's staying there, and so they just begin crowding into the house wanting to be healed. And he heals people late into the night, and there were people he did, I'm sure that he didn't get to. And, and, and yet the next morning early, he got up and went to a deserted place so that he could pray. This was at a time whenever he had all kinds of people trying to get his attention. If you're a parent, you know what this is like, right? You can't get a single moment of peace. That's basically what was going on. Jesus had almost to go and hide to get away. 
And in the midst of all of this clamoring for him, these people who were needing him, these people who, who had good reasons to seek him out or wanting his attention, he still stepped away to spend time with God because he knew if he didn't do that, then he would not be able to give other people the healing that they needed. That, that, that wasn't what was most important at that moment. And then after that, Peter finally found him and said the thing that we always dread hearing if we ever step away or leave our phone somewhere. Is, Everyone is looking for you, right? You know, we imagine we can't disappear for a few minutes or turn off our phone because, like, the world will come crashing down around us. I don't know about you, but I'm always disappointed. I think it's going to be a disaster, and then I'm not as needed as I thought I was. But maybe your mileage may vary, but, but that's what he said. And, you know, and everyone is looking for you. There are more people who need healing. They're, they're wanting you. And, and what Jesus said was... Let's go to the surrounding towns and countryside. He didn't say, let's go back to Capernaum. There were all of these people who wanted his time and his attention, but he was so clear about what mattered most to him. He was so clear about his mission that he knew he couldn't stay there because he could have stayed in Capernaum forever. And yet there were other people who needed to hear the good news. There were other people who needed to be healed. And so he had to leave despite all of these people who needed him, despite having all of these good things that he could be doing. And that clarity, I think, is possible. I don't think it. I believe it. That clarity is possible for us. And that, that kind of resolve in the face of, of distractions and demands is possible. I think what Martha experienced, what Jesus was trying to offer her, was an interruption. Because you know how it is whenever we're so focused on everything that's just going on, when we're so feeling like we're drowning and, and can't keep up, that it's not possible really to see what matters most. All you can see is what's right in front of you, and you're just trying to get through the day. You're just trying to, to make it to your bed in one piece. And what Jesus, I think Martha found herself in that situation, and Jesus gave her the opportunity to step back and actually ask what matters most. He said there's need of only one thing, and Mary has chosen correctly, and it will not be taken from her. That's the reminder that I think all of us need, is that all of these things, they're great. Not all of them. There are a few things like words with friends that, that are not all that important. But many of them are good things for us to be doing, and yet they're not the most important things. And so if we can receive that message that Jesus offers to us to step back and to look around and assess what really is most important, what matters most, and we can live a life that's not just going from emergency to emergency and, and from urgent demand to the next. We can actually plan our lives around what matters most. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but we can have intention in the way that we live out. So I want to invite you to try to put this into practice this week. So I have a few action steps for you. And the first one is to identify what matters most and how much time you're giving to those things that do matter most. And so when you think about what matters most, how, what, what do I, how can I love God with all that I am in this current stage of my life, with, with where I am in my circumstances, and, and how can I love my neighbor? How can I love the people around me? And so one of the things that I've, I've found is um, that, you know, I want to spend more time in prayer, more time with God, and yet I, uh, I, I struggle with that because I have a three-year-old. And once she wakes up, I mean, she's in charge, and uh, pretty much I'm just going where she's going, and we've got to get her fed and out the door to daycare and then pick her up, and, and you know, it just feels like a rush. We've just got to get her fed and then to bed, and, and by that point, we don't have any brain cells left. And I know if I just ride that train that I'm not going to spend quality time with God because it, there's just not any. 
And so I realized I need to make a change. And so whenever you realize those things, whenever you take time to identify what, what does matter most, what are the things that you want to attend to and, and where you're not making time from that, then plan how you'll make time for priorities, even if it means eliminating good things. And so one of the ways that I've done that is I, I realize that, that if I'm going to spend time with God, if we're going to focus together, if I'm going to focus, I don't think God has that problem, but I do. I've got to get up before my daughter does. Like, if she wakes up before I do or at the same time, then, then I'm in trouble. And so that's also meant going to bed earlier. Now, the good thing is that, like, the time that I'm coming off at night usually is, like, prime time whenever my self-control is low and I'm exhausted for, like, just sitting and mindlessly watching Netflix. So that's been good, but, but it's a change that I've had to make. And I can tell you as someone who has had a lot of failed New Year's resolutions that like just saying I'm, I'm going to do something more is a pretty good way not to do something more. Like on, on January 1st saying I'm going to run a marathon this year and then doing nothing else is a really good way not to run a marathon that year, right? And so make a plan. Actually say how am I going to do this? If this is a priority and something that I want to attend to, make a plan for how to do that. And, and, you know, it's easy to go overboard here. Maybe pick one or two things. You don't need to choose eight. Most of us can't handle that many changes at once. But what are one or two things, one or two changes that I can make in my routine to spend more time loving God and loving others, making sure I'm making time for what's most important? And then the last one, make quality time to sit at Jesus' feet and listen to him. Now, hopefully this came up in number one when you were identifying what's most important, but we're, we're doubling up on it just to make sure. Because this is what makes it possible for us to discern what really does matter most. Whenever we're spending time with Christ, whenever we're learning about his way of life and actually putting that into practice, we have a clarity about things, about what really matters that we don't have otherwise. He helps show us what really is most important. And we're able to internalize that and really believe it. One example of this is, is we all know, right, that having more stuff does not make us happier, does everyone know that? If you didn't know that, that's the freebie for today, not part of the regular sermon, but, but that it doesn't. And, and how many of us find ourselves still trying to get more and thinking it's going to make us happy? I, I know it's not going to, and that doesn't stop me from going on Amazon and buying stuff that's somehow going to actually make me happy, if I'm honest. But whenever we spend time with Christ, whenever we're formed by him, we begin to actually believe those things. That, that thing that we know in our head makes its way down to our heart, and he begins to shape us and help us to follow his way. And so I hope that, that you're doing that. My prayer for all of us is that we can step back and realize what really matters, that Jesus will show us, that we can get our head above water and kind of step back and realize that the things that keep us busy are not necessarily the things that we need to be doing. Here's what I hope for my life. I, I, I told you I've got a three-year-old. So she was born a couple of weeks ago, and somehow she's three now, and I'm told that it only gets worse. Is that the general consensus. Yeah. And so I've got, I'm about 20% done with the time that she'll actually spend under my roof. I realize there may be some problems with that assumption too, but, but I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm planning on 18 and going from there. But, but here's what I want, is that whenever she moves out, I hope that I've provided for her. I hope that she's had opportunities that open doors for her in the future. But most of all, I hope that whenever she's needed her dad, that I was there. That whenever she falls down and needs someone to pick her up, that I'm there to pick her up. Whenever she's sad because someone hurt her feelings or broke her heart, that I'm there to comfort her. That on those days that matter most, that, that I'm there and not busy with something else. That I was there and loved her to the best of my ability. 
This Tuesday is my anniversary. We're celebrating number eight, and not quite 50. But, uh, but if we are blessed to make it to 50, I, I want to know that we didn't just coast and, and do the bare minimum to stay together. I, I want to know that I love Courtney to the best of my ability with all that I am, with all the grace that God has given me, that, that I have loved her and supported her, that I've encouraged her to grow in her gifts and become the person God made her to be, that in sickness and in health and when it was easy and when it was hard, that I stood by her. And that's not going to happen if I just go from day to day and let my schedule carry me. Because we know that those priorities won't keep themselves. And most of us don't have other people who will protect them for us. Even well-meaning people will be glad to insert their priorities on top of ours. And so I think that's the invitation that Jesus gives us. To take what matters most and to protect it and treasure it so that we can enjoy the abundant life that Christ offers to us. Because here's my last hope, is that whenever I walk with him, it's not just because I got paid to and had to stand up in front of people and talk about it. It's that I didn't just call on him whenever I was in need, but that I made his way of life my way of life. That I experienced his love in a way that changed me. And that because of what he had done in me, I had gone out into the world and others couldn't help but see that inside of me. And that because of him, that I am able to be the father that I need to be, that I'm able to be the husband I need to be, that I can be the pastor and, and just the human being that I need to be. Because that's what he offers us. And that's what he invites us into. He invites us into a life of attending to what matters most. And so whenever we find ourselves in those situations where there's so much going on that we feel like we're drowning and, and we're just trying to keep our head above water, if we are clear about what matters most, then we at least have a direction to swim. And we can continue in that direction even whenever it's hard, even whenever we feel like we don't know how we're going to make it. Because we know that no matter what, when we pass through the waters, he is with us. We pray with me. Oh God, we thank you for moments when you interrupt our daily lives. Whenever we're so caught up in all the going and all the doing that you cause us to stop and take stock. So God, I pray that each of us here today would hear your word, that we would be reminded of what really does matter most, that you would show us what matters most. You would help us use our time in a way that that lends to loving you with all of our heart and with everything that we are, and loving our neighbors ourselves that we would not just run from commitment to commitment, but that we would choose to follow you in every moment. God, help us to have the sense of clarity that Jesus had. Help us to live in the way that he lived. Help us to love in the way that he loved. And as he taught us to pray, so we now pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.